Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Thank you. Uh, We'll have some opening announcements before we begin worship today. Uh, Welcome our guest musician, Krista Heindel, uh, who is filling in on the piano this morning, and we thank her for being here today. The children's nursery, which is normally in the basement, is in the Southwest Sunday School room. Uh, Today's the last day for that. The asbestos abatement has been completed, and next week we will have access to the normal Sunday School room. Don't forget that this weekend is time change, so remember to fall back one hour on Saturday evening. And next Sunday is All Saints Sunday, and we will celebrate communion together. At this time, please stand for our call to worship from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with tumult, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Now we'll sing hymn number 26, A Mighty Fortress is Our God.
as the children come forward for a children's chat, take time to greet your neighbor. Did your sugar did your sugar wear off from Halloween? Good morning. That's so much better. All right, so today we're talking about role models. What is a role model? Can someone tell me? Does anyone know? You've heard of it? A role model is just a big word for someone that you look up to, right? Someone that you want to be like. Maybe it's a family member or maybe it's a celebrity or someone that you admire. So do you guys have role models in your life? Who do you look up to? God. He's a good role model. Who else? Maybe mom or dad. Does anyone want to be like mom or dad when they get older? Yeah, maybe. I'll be like my mom and You want to be like your mom? That's awesome. That's very cool. Um, So it's important that we have role models that we choose carefully, right? We want to make sure that the people that we look up to have good character, that they're kind, that they're loving and trustworthy, and most importantly, that they love Jesus. That's really important. Huh? Okay. Um, Those are the role models that we want to be like. So if you're looking for a good role model, the first place to look is, what is this? The Bible. Why, why is this the first place to look? Who's the best role model that we've ever had? God and? And Jesus, yes. So Paul said to the people in Ephesus, he said, Imitate God in everything that you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ, because he loved us, and he offered himself as a sacrifice for us. So what are some things that make Jesus the perfect role model? What did he do? Um, died on a cross. Yeah, he died on a cross for us. He loved us that much that he was willing to die for us. Was he kind? Yes. Yes. Was he forgiving? Mm-hmm. Was he loving? Yes. Yep. Was he respectful? Yes. Was he truthful? Yes, all of those things are good things to have in a role model, too. So Jesus is our perfect role model because he is God's perfect son, and he brought salvation to us. So everything he did was because he loved us so much. So if Jesus is our perfect role model, then how can we be a good role model to others? How can you be a good role model to your siblings? What can you do? Be respectful. Be respectful, yep, absolutely about being loving? What about helping mom and dad out? Leading by example for your younger siblings? Being kind, is that hard? It's too hard. (laughs) When I was your age, I felt the same way. Um, But those are the things that we can do to be good role models too, because as Christ loved us, we have to love others, okay? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for our role models that we have in our life, Lord. We thank you that you are the perfect role model and that we can follow your example um, and know how to show people love, even when it's hard. So, Lord, I pray that this week that you would help us to be role models, that you would help us to be people that others can look to um, to see your love and your light shining through us. We love you so much, and we thank you. Amen. Have a good week, guys.
killed in Afghanistan in the last week from our coalition partner, Corporal Tomas Prochaska, 42, from the Czech Republic. Lost at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, Sergeant Brittany Nicole Silvers from Jacksonville, Florida. Lost in an aircraft crash in the Kamelsvitsky region of the Ukraine, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Colonel Seth Nerig, 44, from Fresno, California, as well, the, as well as the Ukrainian pilot, Colonel Ivan Potenko, from Zytoma, Ukraine. Thank you, Jay. Before we go to the Lord in prayer this morning, there's a few things I want to uh, just draw to your attention. Uh, first of all, uh, there is a insert in your bulletin. I believe most of you hopefully saw this and got it. Um, as, as you may be aware of, in the past, our church has put together um, Thanksgiving boxes kind of on a small scale for, for people in our our community and the surrounding communities who are unable to, uh, to maybe provide that for themselves. And so, um, we've done that on occasion in the past and, uh, with, and we've kind of partnered with Agape to kind of help make that happen. Um, and so this year we want to, instead of just continuing to do that on our own, we're, we're looking to, to go on a bigger scale and we're partnering with Agape to help them provide Thanksgiving dinner, uh, for families in need. Uh, so there's some information in that bulletin about how we as a church and others can be involved in that. Um, there are, um, uh, items there that can be donated. Uh, we're, we're looking, or excuse me, Agape is looking to put together 200 Thanksgiving boxes uh, for families in in the Auglaize County area. And so if you are able and willing to help us out uh, to make that happen, um, there are items there that can be donated to, to help go in those boxes. Um, all of those items can be brought here to the church and dropped off here before um, on or before November 11th. And we're going to put together some teams to help uh, deliver those then to Agape as well. Uh, monetary donations can also be made to Agape to help cover some of the other costs associated with this. Um, so if you want to give a gift to Agape to help uh, make this happen as well, you can do that um, and just mark your gift to them for the holiday boxes. Um, it's just a, holidays are a very... Um, a uh, very special time of year for a lot of people, and for some, it's a very difficult time of year. And this is one way that we can be a blessing to those in our community that are less fortunate than us. Um, so if you're able to be a part of that and participate, there's information there. If you have any other questions, um, there you can always call the church office, and we can help maybe connect the dots and fill in some of those blanks for you. Um, but we hope that this is a way that not only our church, but our community and, and can get involved in supporting um, people who are in need this time of year. Um, there's that. I also want to uh, just draw your attention as part of our prayer this morning. We're going to be thanking God, the New Knoxville United Methodist Church. Our brothers and sisters in Christ just up the street are celebrating 175 years of ministry this morning. And so even now they're gathering to, to celebrate that and worship God and, and give thanks to him for their ministry. And so we want to uh, thank God for their ministry as well. Celebrate along with them and, and thank God for their ministry and their, their involvement and our partnership with them over the years as well. So we're going to be praising God and thanking God for that uh, as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. God, we ask that you would uh, be, uh, be our provider, be our provision. 
Um, not, not just for us, Lord, that are gathered here in this place this morning, uh, but we also ask for your provision in, in terms of these Thanksgiving uh, boxes that, that Agape is putting together. We ask for your, uh, your guidance. We ask for your provision. Uh, we ask for others beyond just our church to get involved and, and make this happen and make this a reality for families in our community. Um, we ask, Lord, that you would help us to be a blessing uh, with the way that you've blessed us. And so, uh, Lord, we, we pray that these boxes would go to families in need so that they can enjoy a Thanksgiving meal together as their family without it being a burden uh, to them or maybe those who have, would have had no other means to, to enjoy a Thanksgiving meal. Uh, we ask that these boxes would go out and be a blessing for those people. Uh, Lord, we also ask for your special blessing on New Knoxville United Methodist Church this morning as they celebrate 175 years of ministry. We thank you for their faithfulness. We thank you for their, their ministry and their kingdom impact that they've had in this community and in the lives of many people, Lord, in this area. Uh, we ask for, for your continued blessings to be upon them as they gather to, to celebrate and to worship this morning. We pray that you would make your presence known there and that uh, that you would uh, be a blessing to them, Lord, and that they would have many, many more years of continued faithful ministry ahead of them as well. Lord, we thank you for Pastor Dennis and his ministry there and all the other pastors that have gone before him. We ask that you would uh, continue to equip them and equip him and equip, equip that church, Lord, uh, for the ministry that you have in store for them. Uh, Lord, we also come before you with heavy hearts uh, in our country this morning. Uh, this past week, there's been more acts of violence, Lord, and we, we ask for your peace to be made known. Uh, we ask that you would be with uh, the families of those who lost their lives in the, in the synagogue yesterday in Pittsburgh, Lord. We pray for healing for those who are injured, including the police officers who are, who are there in response to that violence. Uh, we ask, Lord, uh, for your peace to be made known. And, and to be experienced in our country, Lord. Uh, we also ask for your, uh, we thank you, Lord, that, that, uh, no one was injured as a result of the, uh, the bombs that were sent in the mail to different people around this country, Lord. Uh, we thank you that as far as I know, no one else was injured as a result of that. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for justice and peace. Uh, we ask that you would work in in those situations, Lord. Help your, people, your kingdom to be real in this place, Lord, um, so that we can be an example of what peace and love and, and grace and mercy looks like. Uh, we ask for, um, for our wisdom, for our leaders in our country to handle these with, with truth and justice and goodness. Uh, and we ask for, um, for the Prince of Peace to be made known and experienced, Lord, in the midst of all of this. Uh, Lord, it's not an easy thing to pray for, uh, and, and we ask for your wisdom and your guidance in all of it. Uh, Lord, we also understand that there are needs in our own community, our own church, that are represented in our joys and concerns list. We ask for your, your guidance and your provision there. We ask for your healing where it's needed, and we ask for your wisdom in, in decisions that need to be made. And Lord, we ask all these things according to your will, uh, because we know as a, as a good father, you, you, and you care for us. And you want to see, uh, you want to work all things together for our good. Uh, we may not know it or experience it in the moment, but Lord, we trust that it is good ultimately for us when we live according to your will. And so we pray all these things according to that. And in the name of Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This time I'd ask those who are helping with the offering to come forward as the choir sings, Be Thou My Vision. Let's pray together. We thank you, Lord, for the many gifts that you've given us. We thank you uh, that you have blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others. And Lord, even though we may not always uh, feel blessed, Lord, we can always say like the like it says in Lamentations chapter three, verses 22, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. So, Lord, we thank you that your mercies are new every morning. And so as a, 
as a response to your grace and your goodness towards us, Lord. We offer these gifts to you for the work of your kingdom in this church and in this community. We ask that you would bless the offering uh, for that purpose, Lord, uh, so that we can continue to, to praise your name here and, and, and that your gospel may go forth from this place. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I invite you now to stand and join us in singing as, as we lift up uh, our praise to him by singing all the, all Hail the Power of Jesus' Name, number 97. be seated. If you have your Bibles with you today, or if you'd like to follow along in one of the pew Bibles or on a, your phone on a Bible app, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 for our scripture reading today. We'll be reading Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21, as well as verses 25 through 33. The Apostle Paul writes, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. 
He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one has ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness towards us. We thank you for giving us the gift and the blessing of families. Lord, with all of the joys and all of the hardships that come along with it. We ask for your wisdom now as we take a look at your word together and, and what uh, and what it has to teach us about how we relate to each other as family members and specifically this day as husbands and fathers. Uh, we ask for your uh, your spirit to, to open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. I pray that you'd give me words to speak as we talk about this. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Once read a, one of the for one of the books I read in college when I was first uh, switching, and I've shared this with you when I was first switching from my major of being a, pursuing a, a degree in math and physics and education to ministry. Uh, one of the books I read around that time was a book called To Own a Dragon. Um, I think it's been republished under a different title, and I don't have that uh, with me today. But it was by a man named Donald Miller. I'd read several of his other books, and there were. More memoirs than anything else, reflections on his journey of faith and his, and his, uh, his growing up. Uh, and To Own a Dragon was specifically about him growing up with an absent father and the impact that that had on his view of God and his view of faith. And, and that book at, at that time was very interesting for me because it gave me a very different perspective than I was used to. I was blessed to grow up in, in a home with, with my mom and my dad, both very active and involved, and, and that was a very... Uh, a blessing at that time that I didn't realize that other people were not as fortunate to experience. And so reading that book about his experience growing up with a with an absent father uh, and how that impacted his faith really kind of opened my eyes to to how other people experience life and experience family. And that really got me to, and that book has stuck with me today, not because I related necessarily so well with that character, but because it helped me to see that how we uh, view our fathers in particular, but how our other earthly relationships, whether it's our, our parents in general, our siblings, our extended family, they do impact our view of God. And so as we talk about what it means to be a family, as we talk about what it means specifically today to be a husband and father and how they're supposed to follow the example of Christ, I want us all to remember that no matter what our experiences have been in this life, whatever they maybe currently are now or will be in the future, um, that doesn't change who God is. That doesn't change that God is our loving Heavenly Father, and He is perfect in ways that we still are learning and can't quite understand for ourselves. And so as we talk this week and moving forward in the coming weeks about what it means to be a husband, wife, parent, child, grandparent, as we work through all those different relationships, keep in mind that none of us are perfect, and our, we're going to bring our own experiences into these conversations uh, but I also want us to learn from those and, and, and realize that, that uh, God has something in, a, in store for us uh, as, we, as we study these family relationships together. And, and in light of all this, God is that perfect father for us. Uh, and, and Christ is that perfect brother that we, we so desperately need and we can follow his example. So as we, as we study this today and in the future weeks, 
Um, bring your own experiences to the table. I encourage you to reflect on your own experiences in these ways, but always do so in light of the cross, and, and especially in light of his grace and his mercy. Because I'll be the first one to tell you that I'm not perfect, and I'm in need of God's grace as well. Um, and so we all, we all uh, fall into that same category. So that's my disclaimer, I guess, for today. Uh, so let's, let's take a look here at what this passage has to teach us about what it means to be a cross-shaped husband. Uh, a husband that's not formed by, by the, the expectations of our society, of our world, but by the expectations of Christ and His Word. Um, that's what we really want to rely on, and that's what, why we're going to be digging into His Word today to realize, to, to learn about what that looks like for us. So we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5. We're actually going to be looking at this this week and next week. Uh, notice I skimmed or skipped over that passage on wives. We'll be taking a look at that next week, but I think it's, uh, it's important for us to start here uh, with the cross-shaped husband. But it's important even more so to start with verse 21. Uh, if you have your own Bible in front of you, uh, sometimes I want you to take a look. Sometimes that verse is, is attached to this section on on husbands and wives and families. Sometimes that verse is attached previously. Uh, when scripture was originally written down, there were no chapter numbers and verse numbers. Uh, there were no headings like so many of our Bibles have today that break up scripture into nice, easily digestible uh, chunks. Uh, what we had was just one continuous, in this case, letter to a church. And so, so it's, it's depending on how your Bibles have been organized, sometimes that verse is attached to the preceding section, sometimes it's attached to this section. But I do think it's important that it gives, because I believe that verse 21 gives us context to understand what it means to be husband and wife together, what it means to be family. Um, it would, we would be doing ourselves a disservice if we were to just pick up our conversations about husbands and wives at verse 22. We really need to start at verse 21 to understand the context that this all is placed underneath. And so that's where we're going to start today. And verse 21 tells us that we need to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is actually a condition of, of being filled with the Spirit, as he says in chapter 5, verse 18. Uh, speaking to the people, he says, uh, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And then he goes on to list what that entails, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I believe that also is, is intended to, to impact how we read verse 21 and following. In order to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, we need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to have that relationship with the Lord because when that is the context that our family relationships are then founded upon, and we can, when we can then submit to one another, we can truly love each other and respect each other and serve one another like Christ calls us to do when we are filled with the Spirit and when we have that, that foundation to build upon. Uh, but that, and so we need to be filled with the Spirit, but, but submitting to one another also means that we need to recognize that Christ is the ultimate authority in our lives. That he is the one to whom all people on earth, all people within our families submit and find their, uh, find their allegiance to first and foremost. We see in Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 through 20, uh, Paul actually almost, as you're reading this letter to the Colossians, it's almost like he breaks out in song in the middle of, in the middle of his letter singing about the supremacy of the Son. In Colossians chapter 1, beginning of verse 15, he says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. 
For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And so we often read this passage, and, and I know I've used this passage in reference to Christ's supremacy over creation and all of nature and over the nations and over the church, but, but it says here he has supremacy in all things, and that includes our families. That includes our relationships as husband and wife. That re- includes our relationship with our children and our parents and our extended family. Christ has the supremacy. He has the authority. And so we always need to begin there as we're talking about what it means to, to relate to each other as members of a family. We need to first and foremost give our allegiance and, and recognize that all authority belongs to Christ. And any authority that we have derives from our relationship with him. Now, authority is a very scary word today, isn't it? It's not a word that we often want to hear, um, especially for for younger generations. Authority is a very negative word. But I want to sit here and tell you that authority is not a bad thing. Now, if you were to Google the definition of authority, it sounds pretty harsh. Um, I just did a, as we all are able to do, I just did a quick Google search to define authority. And it says that authority is the power or right to give orders, to make decisions, and to enforce obedience. It's not a very positive sounding definition, is it? But I want to challenge that definition a little bit today. Because while the world may define authority in that way, that is not how Scripture defines authority. That is not how Christ models authority for us. If Christ is the ultimate authority in our lives, then we must define authority by his standards and not what Google has to say. And so we need to look and and, and see what authority is from a Christian perspective. And by looking at the life and the example of Christ, we see that authority is not necessarily about enforcing power and enforcing obedience, but it's about responsibility. It's about being the one who, where, where that responsibility lies. Uh, throughout Scripture, we, uh, especially in the Old Testament, uh, the relationship between God and His people is often described as the relationship between husband and wife. And that's the same in the New Testament where the church is called the bride of Christ. And we see here in this very passage in Ephesians the, the comparison to between Christ and the church being like that of, that of a husband and wife. But in the Old Testament, that's probably no more uh, uh, directly uh, pronounced than in the book of Hosea. The prophet Hosea uh, lived out this example for us. God commanded him to marry an unfaithful woman And it was through that relationship, that unfaithfulness on her part and his willingness and his uh, buying her back, his seeking after her, that we get a picture of what God's love looks like for us. See, God's love is so strong. We are, we often run from God, right? We are, we, we disobey him. We turn our backs on him. But God over and over again extends his grace and his love to us by seeking us out, by extending grace when we don't deserve it. And in, in Hosea chapter 2, verse 16, God speaking through the prophet Hosea, Hosea says, In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. See, the, 
one of the Canaanite deities, Baal, uh, was known as my master. That was that would be a, a direct translation of that name, Baal, and and that was actually a term in, in in a more secular sense that was often referred to as the head of the household. They were the Baal. They were the master. They were the one who had all of the power and say in any relationship within the household, but especially that relationship between husband and wife. And so in that day, the, the, the power was invested in that relationship. And so God, out of his love and his grace for us, extended or, or, or um, changed the way that we're meant to view what authority and power looks like. It's not someone who lords it over someone else. Authority is not about having the power to make people do what you want them to do. Authority is about having the power to love and to serve and to extend grace and forgiveness where it's needed. And so he says, you no, long, no longer is that relationship going to be defined by master and servant. That relationship is going to be understood in the context of husband and wife. And in the same way, that's, that's what God has done for us. And, and so authority within the church and authority within uh, husband and wife or, or family relationship is not defined by power and who gets to make all the decisions. It's defined by our willingness to serve and our willingness to, to lay down our lives for, for our families. And so if all authority is derived from Christ, then we must follow his example. A few weeks ago, we read from Mark chapter 10, uh, talking about how a disciple needs to be a servant. And I just want to reread that last verse for us. Uh, chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, that's the example of authority that Christ gave for us. The, the one who was willing to lay down his life, to set aside that power in order to save and so our relationship as husband and wife needs to be defined in the same way. Marriage in, in chapter 5, verse 21 of Ephesians is defined by a mutual commitment to one another. It's not about who's in charge. It's not about who gets to make the final decisions. It teaches us that we as husband and wife are dependent on one another. We need each other. We need each other to live out the calling that God has placed on our lives. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 12 Paul reminds us of that reality. Speaking of the, the issue of head coverings, which in that day had to do with whether someone was married or not, uh, Paul says this, For as women came from man, so man is born of woman, but everything comes from God. As self-sufficient as we may want to be, we need to realize that we need each other. If you're in a marriage relationship, you need each other. You need each other to... To, to fulfill the calling that God has placed on your life. And so authority then, the, the marriage relationship is defined primarily by attitudes, not, not rigid roles. In other words, it's not about like a 19, maybe 1940s, 1950s stereotype of a leave it to beaver kind of household. Well, that may work for some. That doesn't mean it's a cookie cutter example for all of us to follow. See, uh, while, uh, while we often associate certain things with fathers and certain things with mothers or husbands and wives, we can, it, it's possible to be both a strong provider for your family and a nurturing dad at the same time. I think there's nothing more, more manly or masculine than a dad who cares for their children when they're sick, right? And there's nothing more, and, and we'll, we'll talk about this more next week when we talk about wives, but there's nothing more feminine or strong, or, or feminine, uh, for a wife than to provide for her family when it's needed, 
right? There's, there's value in that. There's strength in that. And so it's not about filling, you know, preconceived cookie cutter kind of roles, but it's about the attitude that you have towards one another. Scripture gives us general patterns for what that looks like, and we, we can follow them, uh, much like we, we, the idea of spiritual gifts, right? We've all been given spiritual gifts, and some have been given some gifts, and some have been given others. Now, if you have the gift of, of, let's say mercy, you know, that's an example that, that Paul lists in the New Testament. That doesn't mean if, if you're the one who, who tends to have a heart for others and wants to, wants to help in those situations, that doesn't mean you're the only one called to help. Right? That doesn't mean you're the only one called to serve in those ways. Uh, but part of having the gift of mercy is living that out, but then also equipping others to do the same. Same way, there are responsibilities and roles within marriage, but they're not rigidly defined for us. It's, it's up for the couple to decide how, what those look like and how those play themselves out. Some husbands may be better cooks than their wives, and that's okay. Right? Some, some wives may be better at keeping a budget than their husbands, and that's okay. But it's about the couple deciding what works best for them and honoring each other and honoring God in the midst of that. And so marriage relationships should be defined by that mutual love and support, that mutual commitment to one another. But then Paul does go on to describe what that looks like, maybe spelled out more generally for husbands and wives. And so for the remainder of our time today, let's look at what that means for the husband. Beginning at verse 25, uh, the, the very first command that he gives husbands is to love like Jesus. If you think about that, that's a pretty high standard to live by, isn't it? To love like Jesus means to have a self-sacrificial love. And we see that spelled out for us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, the great Christ hymn. Paul says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, by being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and of heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." Notice what it says here about Jesus and his relationship to authority and his relationship to his servanthood. Right? He didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. Did Jesus have every right to exert his authority in a godlike way? Of course he did. But he, he chose to lay that aside in order to serve the people that he came to save. That's what true power, that's what true authority looks like, is, is a willingness to lay your life down for someone else. Jesus' greatest glory came when he set aside his power to serve others. And so we see Christ, the suffering servant, as our ultimate example, not Pharaoh, who lords it over others. Christ is the one we should be following. Greatness comes when we are willing to put others first, to crucify ourselves and our own interests and our own desires, to put another ahead of us. And for husbands, that means our wives. For fathers, that means our children. We must be willing to set aside our need, our wants, our desires in order to lift up our families. And so we need to care for our wives. We need to care for our family and their needs as if they were our own. Paul goes on to describe how uh, he, he, he builds on this idea that a man and a wife are one flesh, as it says in Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 and 24. The two become one, and so therefore a husband's uh, care for his wife and his family is, is a, na- as natural as him caring for his own body. 
And so therefore, it's not a burden for a husband to serve his wife. It's not a burden for a, a father to serve his family because it's natural for him to do so. When we talk about headship, when we talk about the husband as the head of the family, it's not the head in terms of the, a CEO as the head of a business. What Paul is talking about and building on is the analogy of one body as the head is a part of the body. It's interconnected, intertwined, and interrelated. A head cannot survive without the rest of its body just as a body cannot survive without the rest of its head. The family is an organism, not an organization, and we need to realize that when we talk about what that, the implications of that for us. And so husband needs to be willing to put them first. Christ-like leadership always puts others first. And we also need to remember that uh, that Christ and his servant leadership and his willingness to lay down his life for others, he was not being passive in any sort of way. We often think of, uh, we may fall into the trap of thinking that, that uh, being passive is a form of servant leadership, but it's not. Christ was active. He was involved. He, he did everything with a purpose. And so his willingness, his, his, his goal to lay down his life for his people uh, was not weak like it may have seemed. And so our husbands and, and fathers, we need to be active. We need to be involved. We need to work hard for our family and, and not be passive, not let those opportunities to serve and lead go by. We can't abdicate our responsibility to someone else. And I'll stand here today like one of you. We may not feel equipped all the time. We may not feel prepared and ready to do it. But God has given us that responsibility. He's entrusted our, he's entrusted our families to our care. God gave them to you and to no one else. So we need, to, we need to be active. We need to get involved and lead as Christ taught us to lead. And so that involves providing for our families in, in many of the ways that, that the rest of the world may provide for their families, but it also means providing spiritual leadership. And we see that in verses 26 and 27 of our Ephesians passage. We're called to, to lead our families, lead our wives in, the, in, in our faith. Transformation and discipleship begins in the home. Fathers and husbands, whether we realize it or not, we set the tone for our families. There's a saying that says a group is only as strong as its leadership, and I believe the same is true for family and the spiritual commitment and maturity that is found there. As a youth pastor at my former church, I found that, that the families whose dad was active and involved in, in the life of the church their kids tended to follow suit. And the dads who were often absent when it came to uh, life of the church or spiritual life in general, uh, once those kids got old enough to make their own decisions, they often followed suit as well and were absent and not involved either. Now, I'm not saying that's a hard and fast rule. There's exceptions on both sides, of, of, of course. But, but as leadership goes, so often goes the people, and that is true for the families as well. Dads, we need to be active, we need to be involved, we need to lead our families, not only in providing food on the table, but providing spiritual food for their, their, their relationship with Christ as well. It says here we're to make her holy. It's referencing spiritual maturity, sanctification. And the reality is that, response, that ultimate responsibility is not on me or not on us as, as dads and, and, and husbands to save our families. That's something between them and the Lord, like it is for all of us. 
Same is true as a pastor, right? It's not, I, I, may, I may preach and teach and I, I, I point people to Christ, but it's not my ultimate responsibility to save people. That is, that is the work of Christ through His Holy Spirit. But He does use people. He has used me at times to point people in that direction. And so the same is true in our families. We're called to lead. We're called to point people to Christ. We're called to help our families grow in their faith. Ultimately, their relationship with the Lord is their responsibility. But as, as leaders in the home, we're called to serve in, in that way and point people to Christ in every possible way. And God will use that to draw them to himself. It says that the washing with water through the word, it's a reference to, to cleansing, to spiritual purity. Um, and you see that represented throughout the Old and New Testaments in terms of spirit, or, um, ritual washing and, and in the New Testament baptism. Uh, in Ezekiel chapter 36, uh, we see this spelled out in 24 through 27. It says, For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and, and bring you back to your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you with all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. See, our families have such a strong influence on our relationship with the Lord because that's often where transformation of discipleship begins and takes place. And so the question may be for you sitting out here, how do we lead our families? How do we do that together? Wives, the question may be, how do I encourage my husband or, how do I, or children? How do I encourage my parents to lead me in this way? Well, there's a few, few things I want to remind us of that, that we get from this passage and generally speaking from, Christ, from God's word. First of all, we, we do that through the word. We need to be in the word, studying the word ourselves and together as a family. We need to read scripture and, and study that on our own so that we're equipped to lead, but we also need to do it as a family together. And there's lots of ways we can do that uh, as a family. Uh, there's, there's a great resource out there called the Jesus Storybook Bible. We love that in our families. We, that's the Bible we've been giving out for baptisms and dedications uh, since I've been here. It's a great resource to put God's Word in a way that children are able to understand. But we also have free resources like our daily bread and, and a Bible apps like YouVersion that have daily reading plans. It can be as simple as just finding something that you just read together. You don't have to have a seminary degree. You don't have to be a pastor or missionary. All people, you can, you can grab a resource like that and simply just spend time in God's Word together. That may lead to, to family devotions, being willing to follow Jesus together. And that may look different for a lot of people, um, you know, it's, but it's simply about creating a rhythm for life and demonstrating priorities. Maybe as simple as spending time in prayer together each day, encouraging to, to, to pray with and for each other, and, and, and being here in worship together as well. Just that regular rhythm of keeping God a central part of your family life is, is going to go a long way to, to lead and develop that spiritual maturity in your families. Finally, I want to say to, to husbands and fathers out there, it's, we need to set the tone. We need to lead by example. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul says, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I believe that's, that's a, a, a verse that's very central to my understanding of what it means to be a pastor, but it's also central to what it means to be a, a dad and a husband and, and to lead our families well. We need to, to set that example and set that tone and set that pace for our families. As I said before, dads often lead the way and set the tone, uh, set the example for the rest. 
But I want to encourage you, that's not always easy. And we're not always going to um, feel like we're making a difference, let's be honest. But we are. Those little moments will make a difference. They will add up. And in Galatians chapter 6, verses 19, um, excuse me, verses 9 and 10, Paul writes, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I want to encourage you this day, don't give up. It's hard. It's not easy to, to lead your family well. And we're going to make mistakes. And so we need our families to surround us and support us with grace and love. And we as, as husbands and fathers need to extend that same grace and love to our families. And this is all done in the context of what God has done for us through Christ. Paul wraps up the passage in Ephesians reminding us that this relationship, this mystery that he's talking about is really a reflection of Christ in the church and the relationship that is found there. And so the analogy breaks down is that, is that men aren't perfect. Women aren't perfect either. None of us are. And so we may try to lead families well. We may try to do what we can, but we're going to fall short. And so what we need to do is be able to lead our families to Christ. We need to point to the cross and talk about the grace and the love and the forgiveness and the holiness that is found there. Leadership in the home is not about following the husband or father to their own ends, but it's about the family together following Christ. And that's the example that we get here from Ephesians. Let's, let's wrap up in prayer. Father, we thank you for... Thank you for your word. Thank you for calling us, Lord, to a high calling of loving our families well. I pray that you'd equip husbands and fathers and grandfathers here to do that, Lord, to lead well and point us all to Christ. And I pray that you'd surround them with families uh, and surround them with grace and love and mercy to, to help them in that endeavor. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and in closing sing about that Father's love for us. Uh, the uh, words are printed in your bulletin. How deep the Father's love for us.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You may go in peace.